ahead. Uh, you should Google all the jokes, about, uh, the jokes, the jokes. Oh, I'm still whew, between heaven and earth here. All the jokes about daylight savings time, but I'm not going to. I'm uh, not going to bore you with them. Uh, I actually think I left my glasses <laughs> at home. That's all right. I know. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna stand back here by faith. Yeah. Amen. I'm gonna wing it. Um. My superpower up here is going to give me my vision superpower this morning. Um, as you know, welcome to everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Father, oh, in your presence is awesomeness, and we thank you for the awesomeness in worship this morning. Um, you know that we're in this season, this prophetic season of cleansing right now that is still ongoing, even though day daylight savings time happened. We move forward. We will be entering into blessed time, prophetic blessed time, season of time soon in April. But how is it landing on you? How is this season of cleansing for you? Um, I know what it's been for me. Um, I want to, uh, that God was speaking to me about things that happen during seasons of cleansing. And I want, he, he was revealing some new things to me. Uh, you know, cleansing seasons are cleansing, washing us, sanctification times of our soul. Search my heart, O oh God. Those are the things, but there's lots of things produced from that. Um, it brings us to repentance, or it should. Uh, I would say to you, in all seriousness, don't let this season be wasted. Don't let this season of cleansing be wasted. For healing and times of refreshing come from repentance. Change comes from repentance. Let us be in God's presence. Father, this is what I'm speaking is a prayer and a declaration of our hearts to you during this season. We cherish this because we know that uh, you chasten every son and daughter whom you love. And we embrace you. We embrace you. God brought to my attention, this is important, um, I want to read to you from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. I'm trying to come back to earth here. Something that comes from cleansing is a commissioning. Isaiah in chapter 6, during a heavy-duty cleansing, received a commission when he saw the Lord. In the year of King, I'm going to read uh, chapter 6 from Isaiah 1 through 8 quickly. 
in the year of King Uzziah's death, this is Isaiah testifying to you, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted. with the train of his robe filling the temple. Last week, Pastor Sean spoke to us about the seraphim and angels, and he described what they looked like. I think he uh, spoke from Isaiah chapter 6. Seraphim, in verse 2, stood above him, each having six wings with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We just sang those words. Kyle chose that song today for us in worship. He had no idea we were going to bring this scripture. Actually, I didn't have any idea I was bringing this scripture until about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock last night. But it came with the revelation of the cleansing. Isaiah was in a moment of cleansing. He's standing there. He's come to the temple like any other day, and suddenly... He sees the Lord. He's having a vision. He's enveloped in it, actually. He walks into it. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. That smoke was the glory of the Lord. It was his presence. And then... I said, woe is me, uh, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord, have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew in to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it. And behold, this has, and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. And your iniquity is taken away. And your sin is forgiven. You see, during this moment, Isaiah was aware of his iniquity. He was aware of the hidden sins within him. When he's talking about his unclean lips, he's not talking about cursing or cussing or something unholy coming out of his mouth alone. It was the condition of his heart. It was, condition, it was the condition of the world that he was living in at that time. And the seraphim came and touched his lips. 
we heard last week in the word that God brought us that if we avail ourselves to it, if we open up to it, that during worship, the heavens can open and we can join with heaven and heaven joins with us and his presence comes down and we can experience this 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 revelation we can experience seeing things we we can hear god's voice right now we learned last week that the temple is no longer this a building like this or a temple somewhere that's called a temple. We are the temples. You see, this comes in, and the altar that God has built in your heart comes. And a coal from that fire cleanses us. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. During this time of cleansing and forgiveness of sins, you see, he didn't use the words, I repent, Lord. He used the words, I am (laughs) I am undone. I need God. The thresholds are trembling. I'm feeling vibrations. I'm on the floor. I'm afraid to open my eyes. (laughs) I'm terrified of my condition and the condition of the world. And God comes and heals him and heals him of his iniquities and, and sin. And then at that next moment, God speaks out of all that was going on in the spirit realm at that time. And God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then... He responds, and he goes, here I am, Lord. Send me. You've touched me. You've cleansed me. Something just happened to me. Use me. You see, during a time of cleansing, a commissioning sets before you. Don't miss this time of cleansing. Lay hold of God. In the rest of the chapter, you can read on your own. God sends him on a commission. Paul had a similar experience when the great light came upon him and he fell on the ground. (laughs) In fact, it was a blinding light. And then there's a process in cleansing There's a process that happens. And then God completed the process and healed him and sent him on. We're not going there. But I wanted to tell you, don't miss this time.
we are reminded as we prepare ourselves for Passover this year about the great sacrifice that Jesus gave and did and has given all humanity. I just hope that somewhere, someone out there, including here, needs this this morning. Because by his scourging, we are healed. Isaiah 53 is the great chapter that the same man that we just spoke about, Isaiah, by the time we get, that was chapter 6, by the time we get to chapter 53, this man in his commission is prophesying about the first coming of Messiah, who the Messiah is, what will happen to him, why he's coming, what he'll do while he's here. And we pick up the story in Isaiah 53. It is the great chapter prophesying of the death of Christ on the cross. This is important to you because this is a teaching you might not have heard before. This is from the throne room. However, this passage describes more than just his actual death on the cross. It actually shows the entire ordeal which Jesus went through and endured, and it shows what he accomplished at each stage. I want to read this morning from Isaiah 52. Verses 13 and 14. Behold, my servant will prosper. He's talking about Jesus. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. How was his appearance or his countenance marred more than any man? In Matthew 27, 29, it says that they put on his head a crown of thorns. When I was in Israel, I saw the thorns that they, that they broke off and wove. The thorns were this long. You, you couldn't even cut those things if you were trying to cut it with your hand. I, I don't know how they wove them. Yeah, the thorns were unbelievable. Not like anything we grow here that I've seen in America anyway. And they put this on his head. And it says a crown of thorns. And, they, and then they took a reed, a reed, and began to beat him on the head. So they jammed this crown on his head. And they took this reed and they started beating him on the head. 
Matthew 27 and 30. They also gave him slaps in the face, and we can find that in John 19, verse 3. Then they nailed him to the cross, to the tree. They put him there, and the, cruci- the uh, crosses that people were being crucified on were near passageways where people were going. And people were to look upon those being crucified, and they were to take stones and throw them and aim for their faces. By the time he died, as Isaiah said, his face, his appearance was marred more than any man. So that we ourselves, the reason for this, is so that we ourselves may appear in his image. The image of God. As men were astonished at the appearance of Jesus, at his crucifixion, they will be astonished at the light of God God, as it shines on our faces. Come on. In the faces of the sons of God, there will be a day. This was the purpose of it. We read in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced through. That word is chalal. Pierced or fatal wounding. For our transgressions. I want you to break this down. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed, daka, broken, bruised is what that word means, for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, kabura, meaning stripe, wound, blow, we are healed. I want to break this down again because we quickly read through this scripture and we usually don't break it down. Jesus was pierced through by the nails in his hands and by the spear in his side. That was to deal with our transgressions. What that means is our transgressions are our violations of the laws of God. When we violate the laws of God, that's what we call sin. 
just as a nail or a spear transgresses one's body and pierces us, so does a sin against your neighbor. In this light, that a transgression occurs if, uh, if you've sinned against him or his rights to secure his property. Such sin inflicts an open wound that must be healed, and God's law has a way of reckoning for that, primarily through restitution. We pay a fine, or we restitute the action. He was also crushed, so that took care of our transgressions, our violations, our sins against God's will, God's laws. It is sin. And then he was also crushed. As we look at that cross up there, he was crushed. In um, the King James Version, it says he was bruised for our iniquities. A bruise is an inner wound. It usually comes from bumping something or coming up against an instrument of something. If 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 Sean were if I were to just go up and just like give uh, people have done this to me and I go home I've just got bruised. They come up and they just go hey and they punch me in the arm, and I seem to bruise easily. You see that's an inner wound that causes a bruise that we can see on the outward. It doesn't necessarily bleed, but it's inside. It's not a piercing wound. It's a crushing bruise. And he endured the crushing and the bruises upon his body for our iniquities. Because iniquity is the sin that's inside here. It's the one, it's the things that you don't want anybody to know, including God, about you. It's the things, the iniquities or the sins that you don't even want to look at and you even shudder at. Some of the iniquities are the things you don't even know how to deal with. The things that God, and when we say, search my heart, oh God, and see if there be anything wicked in me, because we can dress up on Sundays and we can go out and we can talk the talk, but I'm talking about the iniquities, the hidden things in our hearts. It's an inner heart condition. When Adam sinned, Iniquity was passed down to us. Romans 5.12 says, Death spread to all men. That's how the Apostle Paul described it. Translated properly, Paul says that death, mortality, we are mortal beings at this moment. This body will die. My soul will not die nor my spirit. It's, as we heard last week, 
going to one of a couple of places. <laughs> Do you see? It lives on. It's eternal, but my body is mortal. Paul says that, the de- that death, mortality, is the hidden cause of our, o- our open sin is the hidden cause of death, transgressions. Transgressions are the ones that people see. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? We're sitting in disbelief in our world right now of transgressions that are happening constantly. And we're going, how can this be happening? How can men do this? How can we be so cruel? The cruelties of war. Just that is in our face. Those are sins we see. But something had to be hidden, the iniquities of the heart, to cause an open transgression to be committed in front of God and everyone. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed and bruised for our hidden iniquities, the internal wound. And finally, Isaiah says, quote, by his scourging, we are healed. Jesus was scourged. Matthew 27, 26 in order to pay the full penalty for sin. The full penalty. I want you to understand why he was scourged. Because Deuteronomy 21, 25 verses 1 through 3 says, If there is a dispute between men and they go to court, and the judge decides their case, and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked, then it shall be, if the wicked man deserves to be beaten, the judge shall then make him lie down and be beaten in his presence with a number of stripes according to his guilt. He may beat him 40 times, but no more, so that he does not beat him with many more stripes than these, and your brother is not degraded in your eyes. That's what the law says. Jesus said he came not to do away with the laws, but to fulfill them. He said, I didn't come to do away with the laws but to fulfill every one. Normally, the Jews beat people with a rod. That was the normal punishment, especially when their sentence was less than the maximum. You know, if it was three whacks, three stripes, it was with the rod. Five or ten stripes was inflicted with a rod. But in a maximum sentence, they used a whip with 13 tails. And they beat the offender three times with it, making a total of 39 lashes. They did this in order to avoid accidentally beating the man 
with more than 40 stripes in order to keep and fulfill the law. Three times 13 is what? Paul, the Apostle Paul, was beaten five times in 2 Corinthians 11.24. It tells us he was beaten uh, five times with 39 lashes. That's what happened to him. And another three times with rods. We read that in 2 Corinthians 11.25. This was the judgment that had been brought on him. In those cases, unjustly, (laughs) by wicked judges. But in Jesus' case, we're not told. We're not told how many lashes Jesus received. We say that he he received 39. We are not told that, though. Nonetheless, we know that he fulfilled the law in every detail, and I believe that Deuteronomy 25.3 prophesied the precise number of lashes that Jesus would receive. Now, in the movie The Passion of the Christ, which brings all of us to tears, or at least choking them back, It was depicted of him receiving 60 or more. They didn't understand how the law of God prophesies. We had a Bible study Friday night, and we were talking about how the law prophesies of things. That law that we just read in Deuteronomy prophesied of the lashes and how many Jesus would receive. Screenwriters didn't know. I want to tell you, it is important for you to know how how God's laws prophesy of things to come. It's critical. And understand that. I want to read from Matthew 8:14 through 17. When Jesus came into Peter's home, I want to say this. I, as I read the scripture and was pondering it uh, to use here today, when we went to Israel, one of the beginning highlights of my moments being there was when they took us into the town where the remnants of Peter's home is and where he lived. Uh, with his family. It was interesting because those of you who have been to Israel and seen the foundations, as you look at them, there's actually a building built over it that you can go up into with glass floors and you can look down and see it as a way to preserve it too from further erosions. And yet you can stand on the ground and look into it as well. The house was very small originally. And then you could see there was an opening, and then they built another circle around that through the years. As the family grew, you could see how it had been. And so I just wanted you to picture that 
um, uh, I gotta get back to my right page here. I better put this down. Uh, so this is in Matthew 8, 14 through 17. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on him. And when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all who were ill. This verse that we see was a prophetic moment fulfilling that which was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. It was before he went to the cross, yet he was doing it in action, (laughs) in action in the earth. Isaiah said, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Matthew tells us that the Messiah's beating, though yet future, was the basis of his power to heal the sick and perhaps cast out evil spirits. It's funny how time is in the earth realm, yet in heaven we read in the scriptures that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Are you getting my the revelation here? This had been done before the foundations of the world. Jesus was God incarnate in the form of man, and he came and performed the things and the miracles and the healings because of what he'd already done before the foundations of the world, yet he had not done it in the earth realm yet. Some would call this some form of time travel. We all just experienced that in the last 24 hours. (laughs) Somehow somehow we had 25 hours yesterday instead of 24 at about however they set the time. And we've just had daylight savings time, and we've... I don't remember that hour, do you? (laughs) I only remembered wanting it when I tried to wake up this morning. But um, this is maybe... This isn't super heavy, Revy, but this is some Revy, revelation. That's what I call it. This is heavy Revy. Isn't that amazing? Not to confuse you and get you back into our time zone. Um, Matthew tells us that the Messiah's... uh, I just read you that. This is repeated in 1 Peter 2.24, and I want to read that to you. And Peter said, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. This is the reason for cleansing seasons.
Let me read that again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. You see, Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. Come on. Pastor just said it this morning. Righteousness is just means, let me reduce that. It sounds righteousness, righteousness. All it means is right living, living right, doing the right thing. That you would die to sin, that you would stop it, that sin would be dead in your life actions like they were in Jesus' life. We heard last week, Jesus gave us the pattern for life and life eternal in this realm, not when we die and go to heaven. He meant that we would experience it now. And the only way we can do it is to lay hold of the cross ourselves. And if something is tempting us or whatever it is, we turn away. Peter makes a distinction between Jesus' crucifixion and his healing. I want to read the scripture again. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. He makes a distinction here between the crucifixion and his beating because each accomplished something different on our behalf. We learned that earlier. If you don't remember that, you can always listen to this message again. For this reason, when we view that which Christ accomplished on the cross... We are mindful and should be mindful of the fact that the cross itself did not accomplish everything. Some of the benefits were accomplished just prior to his crucifixion. The whole process. That we really break it down as we did earlier. About the piercings. About the lashes. About the bruising about the chastening. First, his face was marred so that we might come into the image of Christ. Then he was beaten so that we might be healed of our infirmities and sicknesses. And finally, he was pierced by nails and a spear so that we might be healed of our iniquity that inner problem of mortality and therefore receive life. I want to close now. Again, let this season of cleansing have its perfect work in your life. Respond to Jesus. 
respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not feeling any, then you need to get in his presence. Because I'm feeling convicted. Because I want him to search my heart. You see, if you don't get in his presence, I know we like to come to church and be pumped up, but this is, this is what changes us. This is, this is what we base our faith on. This is how we obtain healing. This is how we receive this great gift from God. Respond to Jesus and the commission he has set before you. Pick up your cross daily and deny your self-life. I was pondering all week the wasted hours, the wasted hours looking at your phone. Absolutely wasted. And Facebook, like, pops up every week to tell you, woo, you were up or down, as if we're in a, oh, we were down. We've got we've to get back on the phone. <laughs> wasted. Wasted hours. Conviction. Pick up your cross and daily and deny yourself life. Die to that thing that needs, what is it in you? Find out, what is it in me that needs that? What is it? I remember going to um, my dad, uh, my dad's and even Lonnie's dad's when they were, you know, when I was younger, and I, I was like, I didn't make an inner vow, but I was like, I said, gee, Lord, I hope I'm not like this. But in, in Lonnie's dad's house, he had like three or four TVs. And at that time, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have TVs that you could box out and put different shows all on one screen. And he had them all going at the same time. He had three or four remotes for, for each one. And they were all on some other form of a news media station. How much time do we waste listening to that? We pretty much know what's going on. Why do we need that? What is it? What is that thing in us that needs it? And needs that more than spending time with God or being in the word of God or, or doing good and living righteously, having somebody, you know, blessing someone, helping someone out. I'm just saying, be his disciple. Be his disciple and witness and give everyone every day your testimony and what you found in him. That all he's done for you. Every day, boldly yet humbly. I want to pray. And when I'm done with this prayer, I'd like you all to worship with me. And Deb, I'd like you to come up and 
Um, if we may, if you prepare a microphone so we can sing, Ben. I want you to sing with me, How Great Thou Art. Remember to turn your microphone on because we're going to go into it right now. This is a short prayer because God's been speaking to us already all morning. God, forgive us. God, show us mercy. God, awaken us. The time is short. Father, interrupt our days and let us not waste this time that you've given us on this earth. Amen.